0: If you'd like, you could be opening your Bible to Proverbs, the 6th chapter. I'll give you just a minute to find it. Proverbs, the 6th chapter, verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways, and be wise, which, having no captain, overseer, or ruler, Provides her supplies in the summer, and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man."
1: Good to see each of you this morning. Especially we're glad to see our visitors. Glad they've come our way again. <clears throat> and, uh, we invite everyone to be able to come back, be with us anytime you can. Throughout the history of the Bible, God has often used lower life forms of the animal kingdom to speak to, to man in some way. That may have been an example illustration like Isaiah, uh, used when the Lord said, the ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know my people. Do not consider Isaiah 1-3. Sometimes it may have even been an animal talking directly to someone, as in the case of Balaam, uh, Numbers 22 verse 8, because he didn't have the good sense of a donkey. And we also remember the rooster who reminded Peter who he was and who God needed him to be. Mark 14-72. Then we come to Proverbs chapter 6, and God uh, uses another lower life form to help us become who we need to be. Now normally when we read this uh, passage, the one presented to us, we automatically think about the idea of working to support ourselves and not being lazy, and that's definitely uh, one of the main applications. But there's so much more to this uh, uh, passage for us today. As we seek to learn from the work and the wisdom of the ant, uh, we want to try to take these truths that Solomon left for us so that we can become better Christians, that we can become even more faithful, and that we can measure up to the ant. And that's the title of the sermon this morning, Measuring Up to the Ant. I want us to notice first the work of the ant. Vance work is absolutely based on partnership. It has to be a partnership. And everyone knows that a successful partnership requires that everyone within that partnership to do what he or she is supposed to do. In other words, we might say that we need to carry our own uh, weight. We need to be able to get along, don't we? Partners have to be able to get along or a partnership can never be what it could be. And so we want that to be definitely uh, the idea behind this. Now, when we think of ants, normally we think of the pest who invades the pantry or who interrupts the picnic. But there's so much more to the ant. They're really amazing creatures. Take, for instance, in Belize. The ant in Belize is actually the king of the jungle. He's all over the place. He's under every rock. He's in almost every flower. He's always doing something. In fact, he is, the ant, controlling the world beneath our feet. They're always doing something. And they do things in very human-like ways. They build roads. They build structures. They collect food. And they do a multitude of other things. They're very industrious, the ant is. For the uh, Take the leafcutter ant, for example. Those insects live in colonies composed of millions of ants. And they work, and they work, and they get along very well, and they feed each other. And that is quite a task to make sure that a million mouths get fed. In fact, it takes a whole lot of work. And it wears on their physical bodies. It's a tough job. And their jaws begin to wear down a little bit. Fortunately for the leaf cutter ant, their jaws are composed uh, of a lot of zinc. And that allows their mandibles to be really like small can openers. They grab the leaf from one side and they uh, uh, job that tr- uh, uh, tooth through into the other side and they begin to cut it up just kind of like someone would... Uh, Uh, use a uh, can opener now not only do they work to support themselves they engage in what really appears to be very intelligent uh, displays of decision making now of course we understand they live by instincts that's what god has blessed them with and god has provided them with that ability but they are very efficient workers they do things in very efficient ways now Many of these leafcutter ants, as they're carrying these leaves up to the nest or down to wherever they're going, they'll often have hitchhikers uh, carrying or riding along on those ants. And you think, well, what's the purpose of of allowing? That doesn't seem very industrious on the part of the ant. Well, what they're doing is they're conserving energy. You've got one ant walking with a leaf, and you've got how many ever riding on that leaf? So when they get to where they're going... They can perform that work. Now they don't eat the leaves. They take those leaves into their nest and they grow fungus. And that's what they eat. And so they're farmers. Now ants, uh, they don't just farm. They, cr- they create assembly lines. They create highways, underground cities, and every ant has his part that he has to do. Now we can learn a lot from their successful partnerships that they have within the colonies. Now, the writer of the letter to the Hebrew Christians, he encouraged, let brotherly love continue, Hebrews 13, verse 1. See, these ants get along. There's no infighting. They don't bicker with each other. They simply do what they're supposed to do. They're very responsible in their duties, and they get the job done. Now, the ant's just an insect. And it doesn't possess the inner qualities that people possess, but we can make the application, can't we? We can look how they're living, and that's why Solomon said, you lazy person, you sluggard, go watch the ant. Now John said this, First John 4, 7, he said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Imagine if the church followed the example Solomon set forth to watch how the ant behaved, how they got along and how they did things and how they worked together, and and they weren't causing extra strife in their life. They've got enough problems in their lives without causing problems from within the colony, right? They've got animals that feed on them. They have to deal with the weather. They have to deal with all sorts of problems. Man coming in and, and tearing up their homes or spraying insecticide or whatever the case is. They don't need problems from inside the colony, do they? They've got enough problems. Now, the partnership of the ant also provides some much-needed help, right? Like other insects, we ought to, or like those insects, we ought to help carry some of the burdens that we can carry in this life of our brethren. We ought to rescue those who are buried in sadness and turmoil. Uh, Help lift those who fall into pits of despair because you watch in the the insect kingdom. Those ants will uh, become buried under dirt. Someone will go in and bring them out. They'll fall into something where they can't uh, get out and they'll make a chain of ants down into that thing and, and they'll bring that worker out because everyone is needed. Everyone has a place. And so that's what the ants do. Now, Paul demanded this. "...bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ." Galatians 6, verse 2. And all those things, they bring about harmony within the body. All those actions on the part of the ant brings about harmony within the colony. And they don't have these outside problems. And of course, Christians, we're all part of the one body. Ephesians 4, verse 4. We ought to have harmony within the body. But the only way a partnership is going to work, is if everybody pulls their own weight, they work in the ways in which they ought to work toward this common goal. Whatever that goal may be. In the ant kingdom, the goal is just simply survival. Getting enough food to eat, producing offspring, guarding the nest. But those are lofty goals for an insect so small. Now, Paul continued his statement in Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 4, He said, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for every man shall bear his own burden. Isn't it nice to be able to work in this life and produce and help oneself and have joy in that, knowing that we did something, we can take care of ourselves instead of having the joy of someone taking care of us. Now, are there times when that's necessary? Absolutely. There are times when that's necessary. But, just as Paul said in Galatians 6, verse 2, there are certain burdens that we can help each other bear. Then he went on to say there are burdens we have to carry on our own. And that's the way the ant kingdom is. They'll help each other where it's needed, but everybody has a responsibility. Now, the work of the ant demonstrates partnership, but it also demonstrates how productive that they are. They are producers. They don't sit around. They're not idle. And if you will notice, ants have an all-volunteer service. Everybody's doing what they're doing because they want to do it. That's their instinct, right? And so uh, we see that, that thousands of ants can live in any one ant colony. Boy, that's a lot of, uh, of people, isn't it? If we were ants and we lived in a colony of thousands of people, How in the world do you think that would work? That'd be rough, wouldn't it? Living in in, in close proximity like that, do you ever get on someone's nerves a little bit? Not in the ant world. Not in the ant world. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? The soldier ant uh, makes sure that the workers pull their weight because if they find a worker who's not doing something, you know what the soldier ant does? Kills the worker. They're not going to feed someone who's not working. They're not going to allow someone to be in the colony and not pull their own weight. So the soldier ant takes the ant out and kills it. Now that's an incentive to work, isn't it? That's an incentive. James warned this, James 2, beginning with verse 17. Even though faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yeah, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. We have to work. We have responsibilities. Uh, We can't just uh, live off of the people around us and and ride the coattails, right? We have to to do the things, and the ant is the illustration. The wisest man who ever lived, other than Christ, used the ant as illustration. And like in the ant kingdom, we have to show those works in our spiritual lives, don't we? It's not good enough to say, I believe in Jesus, and and He's the Lord and God of of all things, and I love Him. It's not enough. It's not enough to be happy where we are, right? We have to demonstrate that through works. And that's how we gain our salvation, isn't it? We have to have more than just a verbal or a mental assent. Uh, Jesus said, bring forth works worthy of repentance. Bring forth works that demonstrate that one has repented from past lifestyles and now is going in a better direction, Matthew 3.8. And then we make uh, that expression verbally, don't we? That's what the Ethiopian eunuch did, Acts 8, verse 37. And then, of course, he went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And that's exactly what Ananias told uh, a praying, fasting Saul of Tarsus to do, Acts 22, verse 16. And then we continue with that confession of faith demonstrated in our lives through our works, Matthew ten thirty two and 33. And that's the actual context of that passage, right? We use it. There's an application to the confession that Jesus is Lord, but that's not the one that we uh, confess prior to baptism. We see the example of that with the Ethiopian eunuch. Christ is talking about living a lifestyle before people demonstrating works of our beliefs. We can say we believe anything. That doesn't mean that one believes it, but if they're doing that and you see the results, then we recognize that they do believe that. Also, ants labor according to their own abilities. They're very specialized creatures. You have storekeeper ants. They guard the food stores. You have uh, engineer ants. They build structures. They they build roads. You have nurse ants. You have farmer ants. You have general laborers. And all of that is within the ant colony. So they are specialized, and they do what is according to their ability. Now, those things change as the ant ages. The younger ant stays back close to the brood chamber, kind of helps take care of the queen or the queens. But as... As they age, their their, uh, responsibilities might change, but they're still working within their ability. Now, there's something very interesting to me when it comes to ants. Much like a honeybee, the majority of the workers in an anthill are female. I think we might see that same thing in the church. What would we do without our sisters? We'd be in trouble would be in trouble. Now, here's what the men need to do. The men of the congregations throughout the world need to step up and take the responsibilities that God wants them to shoulder and do those things, right? Let's not rely on someone to do a job that's not supposed to be doing that job. Now, we're not talking about a sister uh, in a leadership position. That's not what we're talking about. That's not That's not uh, permissible. God does not allow for that. But just being the backbone of the congregation, being faithful, being encouraging, uh, things like that, that's priceless. That's priceless. And the example that should be taken from that is, is the men ought to say, you know, if our sisters can do that, I need to shoulder the responsibilities that God has given to the men. You know, we all have different abilities. Ephesians 4 verse 11. Some are preachers, some are teachers, some are pastors, some are this, some are that, right? We work within our abilities, but work within the ability, right? We may have an ability to do something, but if we don't do it, what good is it? You know, I've got the ability to, to fix wrecked cars and paint them. What good does it do me? I haven't done that in nearly as long as, as I did it. I did it for 20 years. So what good does it do me to have that ability? I'm not exercising that ability, right? An old farmer was sitting on a stump one time when a tourist came along and to speak to him, he said, "How are you doing?" He said, "I'm. It's tolerable." He said, uh, "Well, what, what's going on?" He said, "Well, I had some trees to cut down and a, a tornado come down and came through and, and knocked them over and I didn't have to cut them down." He said, "Well, that's great." He said, then a, a forest fire happened by, because of some lightning and it burned up those logs and so I didn't even have to worry with, uh, with burning them up. He said, boy, that's wonderful. That's great. He said, uh, uh, now what are you going to do? The farmer leaned back and stressed. He said, I'm just waiting for an earthquake to, to uh, knock my taters out of the ground. So I'm not going to do anything. You know, now that's kind of the wrong attitude, isn't it? Too often, I think, there are people in the world, and we see it in the church. They're waiting for someone else to come along and do something that, that I can do. See, I have to work within my ability, right? It's Not good enough to have an ability. We have to exercise that ability. The work of the ant shows a partnership, demonstrates how productive they are, but we also see their persistence. They are persistent. They do not stop. I think maybe the motto of the ant could be seen in a statement that Paul made, Philippians 3, verse 13. He said, Brethren, I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. There are few things in the world as persistent as an ant. Now, if you don't believe that, spill some sugar on your counter, And leave it there. Because when one ant finds it, he goes back to the colony, gets about 500 of his best friends, and comes to collect that sugar. And it's hard to get rid of them. I remember a summer or two ago, we had this little ant problem at our house. I sprayed and sprayed and put bait and put bait. I crawled up under the house and sprayed in between the floor joists. and I was doing all kinds of things they are persistent. What an example, right? We ought to be persistent. Nothing will stand in the way of a colony of ants. Notice the driver ant. When a driver ant comes to a stream, they just tunnel under the stream and keep going. When they come to a river, the whole colony will ball up into a giant ball and just float across to the other side. They will not allow anything to stop them from their mission. And there shouldn't ever be anything to prevent the Christian from remaining faithful. Paul continued his statement, Philippians 3, verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Well, it's not enough just to work. You have to work for the right things. Not enough to have an ability. You have to use the ability. You know, here's kind of the bottom line. And Solomon was talking about this. Both physical and spiritual laziness is sinful. A person who is physically uh, lazy and who is spiritually lazy will not be in heaven. It's just not going to happen. And so we have to be aware of that, right? And we learn uh, the detriment of laziness from the ant kingdom. There's a kind of an ant called the shining slave maker. Now, what this ant does, it, it invades other colonies and steals their pupa. They bring those pupa back to their ant colony and they raise them and they feed them. And, and then when they become ants, they think they're in their own colony. And so then they begin a whole life of servitude to their own masters. Now, the, uh, the silver or the shining slave maker ant is a very talented ant, a great fighter, can do all sorts of things, but they have gotten so used to a life of, of ease, they can't do anything. In fact, they can't even feed themselves. You can put a uh, the shining slave maker ant, several of them, in a jar with food, and they'll starve to death. You put one little uh, common black ant in there, and he'll run around feed all of them. They've just gotten used to someone taking care of them. What's the example? We don't want to be like that, do we? We don't want to uh, become dependent on others to feed us, either physically or spiritually. Paul demanded this, Second Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. And that applies in both the physical world and the spiritual world. What are we to do with someone who refuses to work in this life and comes <clears throat> excuse me uh wanting food? Now that's hard, isn't it? That's difficult. What Paul say? Listen, if you refuse to work and help yourself, get used to being hungry. That's what Paul said. We had uh we had someone come here, I think it was last Sunday evening and Ron and I were out, outside, and it was a young lady, and she wanted uh, some gas money. And so uh, I was talking to her a little bit, and I said, uh, where do you work? She said, I don't work. I haven't worked for a year. I said, really? Why, why don't you get a job? Well, she couldn't find anyone to watch her babies. And uh, I told her, I said, you have babies with you? She said, yeah. I think one was two and one was one or something like that, three and one or, or something. So I walked over to the car and I looked in and saw those beautiful babies. And I said, let me tell you something. If it were not for these babies, we wouldn't give you anything. But because you have these babies, if you'll come down here to the gas station, I'll put some gas in your car. You know, No one worked. But two other adults in that car, guess who had a job? Nobody. What did Paul say? Look, let's have enough gumption in our lives to work both physically and spiritually. We can be lazy spiritually. How do we learn what we learn from uh, uh, about God? Well, we sit around and listen to the preacher talk for, you know, 45 minutes once a week. That's spiritual laziness. What are we going to learn in 45 minutes a week besides nothing? Because we can't remember what the preacher talked about. I don't remember what I preached about last week. Right? But you know what? I study the Bible, and so I know what God wants us to do. And it's not just me. I'm not patting myself on the back. We have a congregation full of people like that. But what I'm saying is, we need to look at the ant. The ant's a worker, the ant makes sure he is fed physically. We're supposed to look at the ant and have an example. Let's not be lazy physically. Listen, let's work. Let's support ourselves. If we support ourselves, then, you know, we can help others who are actually in need. But let's work spiritually. I think there's just too many people in the world depending on others to feed them physically and spiritually. The work of the end is clearly demonstrated. When we look in the colony, we look at the things that are happening within that colony, and if we consider their work, we can gain wisdom. That's our second point. And our final point. I only have two this Sunday. Wisdom instructs us to make provision for this life. A person who is wise makes provision for this life. The ants organized. They are organized. They provide food and shelter for themselves, uh, and that happens because everybody involves doing his part. Right? We need that as an example. Many ant hills are really uh organized uh, like modern cities they have streets they have uh supply rooms they have hatcheries they have barracks they have uh, uh ways to get from one room to the other They're, you know ha- have you seen uh, this new kind of this new thing that people are looking at called uh, ant art they'll pour lead or something like that into an anthill and they'll dig that big thing up and you'll see exactly how huge an anthill is. Boy, some of them are 20 feet long or longer. They go way down and way out. Look like the branches of a tree. That doesn't happen on its own. That happens because the ant's working. Now, through the wisdom that God has, He has provided to each of us the ways that we ought to organize our lives and how we learn how to do that. James said this, James 1, 5. He said, if any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, we gain that wisdom. We need to ask God for it. And then He'll bless our efforts as we study the Bible and we learn that wisdom. Because Peter said, According as His divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Second Peter 1 verse 3. Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us unto glory and virtue. We gain that through the knowledge of Christ. Life and godliness. We learn what we need to learn through the Scripture. We learn we need to work. We learn we need to be faithful. We learn all kinds of things. We read the Proverbs and we read about everyday common sense things we ought to do. We read James. We read about common sense things we ought to do. If we'd follow the examples of the Bible and do what the Bible said, we'll have wisdom and we'll be successful. Before we can gain wisdom and the blessings that come with it, though, we've got to put the work in. We all know about Psalm 23. David wrote that. He talked about how God had blessed him, prepared a table before him, protected him from his enemies. Now, do we think that just happened? That God looked down on David and said, I love David so much, and he did, that I'm just going to take care of everything and he doesn't have to worry about it. No one worked harder than David. Nobody did, and God blessed his effort. Why had God provided a table before him to eat? Because David worked to feed himself. Why could David not be depressed and and afraid when he went through the valley of the shadow of death? Because he put the work in spiritually. And he knew if something happened to him, there's something so much greater waiting on him. God will make provision for us. But we have to demonstrate our wisdom through the work and putting in the effort. Wisdom dictates that we make provision for this life, but it also dictates that we make preparation for eternity. The ant is a wonderful example of preparing for the end. Spring turns into summer, summer turns into fall, and what comes after fall? Winter, cold weather. Hard to gather up food uh, in the wintertime. Hard to find leaves in the wintertime, isn't it? Winter is a death sentence to a lot of species in the insect world. Take the grasshopper, for instance. The grasshopper acts like he doesn't even believe in winter. He doesn't prepare for winter. And because he doesn't prepare for winter, you know what happens every winter? They all die. All of them. And then, because they've laid eggs, spring comes around, you've got a new batch of grasshoppers. They don't believe in winter. The ant believes in winter. The ant prepares for winter, gets his food stores in order, prepares his home, makes sure that the weather won't come in. Now, we understand that the grasshopper and ant have no kind of intelligence outside of instinct. The rider is using anthropomorphism giving human characteristics to inanimate objects or to animals so that we can understand. But how many people in the world don't believe in the end? How many people in the world don't believe that after this life is over, there's eternity? How many people do believe in eternity but yet ignore eternity? We can use the example of the the ants. We need to prepare for eternity. People were preparing this life for this life. They think nothing of the next life. What are we going to do when it's over? What are we going to do when the end comes? What are we going to do when winter gets here? God has prepared eternity for all people. Why do people not prepare themselves for eternity? God gave us the greatest gift in the world, John 3.16, probably one of the most quoted verses, if not the most quoted verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Maybe the next one is judge not that you be not judged, right? But people know John three sixteen. That's the greatest gift the world's ever known. God prepared eternity for us. Let's prepare ourselves for eternity because one day we're going to stand before God. And are we going to be ready for that? I think we need to ask ourselves, Am I ready? Have I made preparation or have I been lazy in my physical life and in my spiritual? Paul said this, Romans 14, beginning with 11. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Jesus told us, John 9, verse 4, work while it is day. Work while you have the opportunity, because the opportunity is not always going to be there. Ask anyone in the construction business. You work when the weather's good, because you know what, it might not be good, and you might not have a dry place to work. You might not have the roof on. You might not have it dried in, right? I can remember working in the body shop. It was feast or famine. So much work, you couldn't get it done or nothing. So you had to work while you had it. And then you, you uh, prepared yourself for the future. You put a little of that back. And then when you got where there was no work, you still had a little something. If any of us are going to make provision in this life and prepare for the next one, The time to do it is right now. We need to do it today. If for some reason we haven't done that, we need to make a change. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, we talked about how to do that. Faith and repentance, confession, immersion in water, faithful living. No reason to leave here not in a covenant relationship with God. Solomon asked, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Verse 9. And then Paul warned this, "...and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not rioting in drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh, to fill to fulfill the lust thereof. What does the ant do? The ant doesn't fuss and fight. The ant doesn't riot. The ant does what the ant's supposed to do. He works in partnership. He he does all those things necessary. The ant is wise. And again, we use that literary device to demonstrate that. And Solomon said, "Watch the ant." If you watch the ant, he didn't say the ant was wise. He said you'll become wise. Watch the ant and be wise. I need to ask myself, have I made preparation for the future? Am I ready to stand before the Lord of lords and the king of kings? Have I gathered the necessary provisions? Am I waiting or am I ready for when winter gets here? I better be because winter's coming. If You need to answer this Lord's invitation. Let that be known as we stand and as we sing.